Good morning and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Julie Dye and I'm here with my co-host, Amy Shepard. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by the 510K Cafe. We offer resources for medical device and med tech marketers through interviews with industry leaders that give you the tips, tricks, and trends that are shaping marketing today. We recently had the opportunity to catch up with Adam Turinos of the Health Launchpad and Lauren Goodman of HIMSS, the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society. They're here to share with us the results of a survey they recently conducted with marketers in the health tech space to better understand how marketing has changed as a result of the pandemic. There were a few surprises about marketing budgets that they will share with us, so stick around to hear more about their findings. Okay, well, welcome to the show, Adam and Lauren. We'd love to hear a bit more about your backgrounds before diving into the very interesting research study that you've been working on. Cool. Lauren, why don't you why don't you go first? Thanks, Adam. So Lauren Goodman, I am the Director of Market Intelligence for Hims Media. Um, Background-wise, I have been doing market research for about 15 years. Um, I'm a former system director, market research at Christus Health. Um, I have my Insights Professional Certification Master, which signifies I've been in the industry for 10 years and I passed a 150-question exam to get that Certification Master uh, designation. And I've also had an opportunity to partner with top management consulting firms. Um, done that for at least five years, and I've been one of their trusted research partners and super excited to be here with you all today. Adam? Hi. So uh, I'm Adam Chirinas. I run a company called Health Launchpad. Uh, it's a specialized marketing consultancy that focuses on helping health tech company and health services companies sell a market to healthcare organizations because uh, it is the hardest industry in the world to sell to. I spent, spent the first 20 years of my professional life in the uh, marketing services world, uh, working with some major agencies and consulting firms, working in uh, with some incredible clients like IBM and Dell and um, Bank of America. So I've worked in um, pretty much every single industry you could think of. And I took a right turn into healthcare technology in 2012 when I founded a health tech company uh, originally called Practice Unite, then it became Unify Health. And myself and uh, a physician grew this clinical communications company to a significant enough size that we could exit it uh, in 2019. Um, along the way, we we did business and we sold to Hackensack, Meridian Health, and UNC Healthcare. Did a little bit of work with the Cleveland Clinic, and many, many more healthcare systems. So, if you know if anybody listening is uh, going through the 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 pain of marketing and selling to healthcare, as I have been in your shoes. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you both. I had the opportunity to participate in a webinar that you did a couple of weeks ago about a study that you commissioned, the 2021 Healthcare Technology Marketing Survey. And because many of our listeners are health tech, med tech marketers, I thought that the content was really interesting and the findings were really you know relevant to what we do every day. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more, Lauren, about the survey and why you and Healthcare Launchpad decided to do it. Sure. So 
Hims is a large organization and I kind of am on the media side and we help clients as we help them facilitate strategic marketing tactics. Um, oftentimes we're creating content and this content is driven by intelligence, which may be white papers or executive briefs or uh, intelligence webinars, ABM. And Adam has a deep uh, subject matter expertise in healthcare and marketing, and we couldn't think of a better partner. We live in a pre and post pandemic world. Um, we had some hypothesis going into the survey, but collectively we really wanted to ground ourselves um, and our attendees in the data um, as some of the things were validated and there were, there were some surprises that we saw um, in the research. Can you tell us about some of those key findings? Absolutely. So when it comes to key findings, um, overall, there were a mix of tactics. You know, there's not one size fits all for any organization. And we definitely saw that some were more effective than others. It looks like the, the mix was impacted by the pandemic, um, primarily when it comes to the option of the in-person events, um, which are collectively on pause. Um, the budgets grew. The budgets grew in 2020 and are going to continue to grow in 2021. Um, the top tactics that were executed upon in 2020 are going to hold, excuse me, are going to hold steady for 2021. And overall, we just collectively noticed that the healthcare IT marketers want to learn and have an appetite for additional education in this space and how to effectively execute across some of these strategies. So you mentioned that, you know, in some cases, budgets did increase for, you know, different marketing tactics um, compared to 2019. What would you say are some of the reasons that, I, I mean, for me, that was a surprise, you know, to see that budgets were increasing in some areas where you would expect that during all the pandemic craziness, maybe think marketing budgets would get cut. So just talk to me a little bit more about that, you know, and the whole that as a surprise and any others? I think, well, me too. I was really surprised to see. I was thinking maybe it held steady, you know, kind of we're being in a global pandemic um, and kind of healthcare being at the core of that. I could see a marketing budget holding steady, um, though fiscally potentially organizations would need to be a bit more sound and kind of keep it steady. But in 2020, it grew by 41% over 2019. Um, and there's even, it's going to grow even more. It's estimated to grow by 55% in 2021. So from a perception standpoint, I, I think these marketers work for organizations that can help, um, like providers, for example, like navigate the pandemic and beyond. And that the opportunity to enlighten that they can help is important to their organization. Um, with the amount of things happening for these buyers right now, it takes a lot, I think, to get in front of them and get their attention. You know, oftentimes in marketing, we talk about, you know, kind of seven touch points before at times you're really going to remember something. And I wonder right now, my hypothesis is it might be a maybe a few higher for these different decision makers and these buyers of which these healthcare IT marketers have already recognized and are kind of putting funds towards that to make sure their opportunity to help these organizations is recognized. Yeah, I, just to just to build on that a bit. I mean, I think that one of the one of the tactics that uh, was widely adopted was the use of webinars and virtual events. So you know, we've been oh, webinars have been around forever. Uh, virtual events, yeah, maybe not so much. And they they were kind of on the wane. You know, they weren't really working that well. And I think that suddenly, because everybody's virtual including the prospective clients, customers, the, the 
participation in webinars by prospects suddenly went through the roof. And so I think part of it might be that a lot of companies said, you know what, we're going to get the, we can't get in to see them. We've got to figure out a way to, to get hold of them. And so I think a lot of investment went into virtual events and webinars. And I think that, I think as they, as a lot of companies saw that work, they increased their spending to go after it. Um, I think that could be part of it. So that's interesting, Adam. That's, that's what I was getting at. I was, was surprised that marketing budgets increase when you would think because all in-person events were tabled, you would think that it would streamline marketing budgets. So you're saying that that marketing departments are finding different ways to connect. Ergo, it's they're spending money in different yeah. Yeah. And I think, technologies. I think there's also a reflection here that, you know, that it's pretty polarized, right? I mean, for some companies... COVID was catastrophic, you know, it meant that basically it sort of, you know, almost in many cases, almost, almost or did put them out of business. But in some cases, particularly if you're in, you know, remote patient monitoring or any kind of virtual care or telehealth, you, you just couldn't keep up with demand. And so, you know, I'm sure that uh, a lot of companies in that position are sort of going to making hay while the sun shines. So I suspect that, you know, there's a lot of the sort of the budget you know, the, the increases, the, the companies that were doing really well were really were spending disproportionately, whereas others were kind of cutting, cutting back. Got it. Makes sense. You know, one other thing that I've kind of experienced, you know, there's a bit of a perception that by doing a digital event, it's cheaper. And in some cases, yes, it can be. Um, but if you really want to do it the right way, it's almost like you end up producing a TV show. And so you really need to think about these online events as producing video segments. And so if you really think about it that way, and you're using the best technology, sometimes you you might break even um, compared to what your in-person event would have cost, minus travel, of course, things like that. But I think that is a misperception, you know, until Mm -hmm. people really start getting into producing some of these online events that it's not all that much cheaper. And so hopefully, you know, some of that budget kind of response was related to that too. Yeah. And also bear in mind that some, in some cases, like if you were producing an event, a, a physical event last year, you, you probably already sunk a lot of the costs on sort of, you know, the, probably hard to get back a lot of the costs on the sort of the, what you would have needed to support a, uh, your, your in-person event. So the money's got to come from somewhere. Absolutely. One of the things that I thought was interesting about the findings was, you know, the five marketing tactics that were really cited as being most widely used by healthcare marketers. And so I was hoping you could kind of drill down into those a little bit, because I think it's always interesting to get a sense of what other companies are doing. Sure. And it's interesting, too, because those that are widely used aren't necessarily the ones that were deemed most effective. So, What we saw when it comes to widely used were like content marketing, social media, webinars, virtual events, email. Email is still incredibly widely used, but from an effective standpoint, um, the webinars are on there as is virtual event and social media content marketing, but AVM is number two. Um, That was not most often used. I think it's number seven. Uh, It definitely is the second most effective tactic by those that use it. Yeah, that, that that is interesting. Adam, did you have any 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 comments on that? Oh, I so 
one of the things I thought was particularly interesting was what's going on with the email, because, you know, as, as Lauren pointed out, you know, there's this kind of uh, paradox, right, where you've got people are saying it's the least effective, but then they're using it, still using it very heavily. And I think that there is a movement away from an over-dependence on, on email to using other tactics like social and content and ABM. But until, you know, until these things have really got up to, up to scale, we're still hooked on, AB, on email. The other thing about email is, is that you know, if you're running a webinar or a virtual event, it's, it's still the primary way you're going to get people to show up. And you've got it, so you can't, you know, can't, can't get off it. So it's a sort of, that, that was sort of interesting. Um, I know we're going to talk a lot more about ABM in a bit, so I'll, I'll, we'll talk, talk more about that later. Yeah, no, that, no that, that, this is a great segue. And one of the topics that came up in the study is that healthcare marketers are very hungry for more information on account-based marketing. What is ABM and why do you think it's important in healthcare? So, you know, what is, <laughs> there are as many definitions of ABM, I think, as there are people. You know, it's been around for a while. I think it started, yeah, it started in the 90s. I, I think the sort of generally accepted definition of ABM is, is, a, is it's about three things. It's about a strategic focus on improving revenue, but also, you know, reputation in your relationships. But improving revenue specifically with named accounts. Now, you might be going after, you know, hundreds of accounts, or it could be thousands of accounts. But you're not, you know, you're, what you're trying to do is be much more targeted in what you're doing rather than the sort of more kind of spray and spray and pray approach that we've all been doing. The second pillar of ABM is about the collaboration and partnership between sales and marketing. So traditionally, you know, there's been a handoff, right, where marketing's job is to get, you know, marketing qualified leads, MQLs, fill the pipeline, and then salespeople pick them up and then complain about them. And so it's, you know, that many people talk about how the relationship between sales and marketing is broken. So ABM only works when, those, when sales and marketing work really well together. The third part, I think this is where it actually gets the most interesting. It's about personalizing the marketing programs and the campaigns to your target account lists. So... You know, and it, it, there's a there's some interesting stuff that you can do these days that was harder to do a few years back. back. Um, it's this whole area called intent data. So I, I'm going to spend a long time talking about intent data. I could spend an hour about that. But the, the short story is, is about intent data is there are service providers out there that can help you figure out who's actively in market for what you sell right now. And they can help you target those, uh, those buyers precisely with, you know, targeted advertising. And so it me what that means is that you can do some really interesting things. Like, for example, I, you know, in the, another webinar uh, that, uh, that we're doing with, with, with HIMSS um, on the foundations of ABM, we talked about a company called Novolo, which is a health uh, technology company that's heavily in healthcare. And they are able to do what's called a competitive takeout. So they can identify their competitors' customers who are in market, target them with messages saying why uh, people are switching from you know, that platform and switching to Novolo, and then lead them 
to what they call a competitive takeout page, which shows specifically why you should should consider switching. And it's working really, really effectively for them. So, sorry, it's a long, uh, a long answer to that question, but it's you know the the, the key thing I think is that you know it's it's compl- it's complicated. There's a lot to it, and it takes a long time I think to to get it right. But it is where business to business and business to healthcare marketing is going. Do you think where do you think healthcare is based or compared to other industries with respect to ABM? So, so, Lauren, do you want to talk a little bit about what we what we found in the in this in the survey? Sure, I'm happy to talk about that. Overall, when it comes to health, I'd say if ABM was a train, healthcare is on the caboose. Um, when it comes to executing, there we had a comparison in our data when it talks about you know healthcare technology marketers against all other B two B marketers and looking at the various stages of implementing an ABM plan, whether it be exploring or experimenting or expanding. Um, and overall, those percentages of healthcare technology marketers are significantly under where the net total is for B2B marketers. Even just exploring healthcare marketers, 38% are exploring and only 29% of B2B are because they're already in the experimenting phase. 38% of B2B marketers are experimenting where only 24% of healthcare technology marketers are. So um, they're moving forward, um, though behind kind of where other industries are. Any thoughts or 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 reasons why you think we might be behind a bit behind the eight ball in terms of ABM? I I think that you know healthcare technology and service providers in their marketing are also a little bit like the rest of the healthcare industry, which is you know the healthcare industry historically has moved slower on business things than uh, other industries. And, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons, right? I mean, you know, healthcare is, is a, serves a higher purpose. It's less commercially driven than, say, the banking industry is. And so, you know, you, you can afford to take a much more methodical and approach to whatever you're, you're doing. And it's because of that, the industry moves a lot more slowly. So I think that's generally why that that happens. I also think that because the sales cycles are so much longer in healthcare than in other industries, it's been very much a sales and relationship-led approach. And I think that means that it's taken, you know, marketing has taken a bit longer than other business-to-business sectors to get credible in in healthcare. But, but you know, the thing I find incredibly encouraging is that, you know, this program that Hims and Health Launchpad are doing together is a series of webinars. So the first was the, the research that Lauren was reviewing. Uh, the second is actually, a, we just did it yesterday, and it was a foundations of account-based marketing. And there, there are four more coming up. And, you know, frankly, I was blown away by the, by the attendance. You know, I, it was, I, I won't go into the numbers, but it was probably three or four times the level of engagement and attendance than I was expecting. And I think that's encouraging because it says, you know, that, that there is, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hunger for it. There's a real appetite to, to embrace this. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a hunger for data. And, and, I, and I think to, to that end, what, what advice would you have to give healthcare marketers who want to get started with ABM and incorporate it into their practices? Well, 
uh, first thing is, is you should attend our webinar series, <laughs> and we'll and we'll provide a link down in the in the companion to this uh, whatever the, the companion page is to the the podcast. Uh, but I mean, but seriously though, I mean, I think you know, Hims is is really putting a lot of effort in, into this because you know they believe in helping helping their their customers, and you know I, I feel very privileged to be part of it. So I do think that that is you know genuinely helpful thing to do. But I, I think that for a company that's sort of like, okay, we're going to start with this, there are, sort of in simple terms, there are three flavors of account-based marketing. There's what's called one-to-one, which is where you target a, a few accounts, you know, maybe 50 accounts. One-to-many, where you're targeting customer segments. So, for example, in healthcare, you might say, you know, academic medical centers versus West Coast IDNs versus clinically integrated network, you know, for example. And then there's one-to-many. And one-to-many is this intent-based model that I described earlier. The intent-based model is very exciting and it's really sexy, but it's very hard to do. And it actually takes quite a significant investment to get up and running. I mean, you're, you know, you're talking several tens of thousands of dollars to get started. So what I'm seeing a lot of companies do, and I, and I advise my clients to do, is get started with one-to-one. So you know, first of all, Get the alignment. So get it, you know, get a sales and a marketing person working together on an ABM initiative and get them to design a pilot targeted against a specific set of accounts. So let's say you pick, you know, 10 uh, major healthcare systems and you start by doing some really detailed research on who, who is it that you need to specifically reach in, the, in each one. What is it that they're interested in? And what is it that you can say to them and deliver to them to get them engaged? And it sounds like, well, sounds pretty basic, right? It's scary how few companies in any industry do that well. And so if you start doing that, it'll get you moving. And um, you know, what, I, what I recommend is something like a 90-day pilot. Uh, and then at the end of it, you, know, you, you, you see how you've done with it, what you can do to improve. And that's at least you've taken the first step. So that's what I, what I advise people to do to get started. No, that's that's great advice. And it sounds like ABM would be a fantastic mechanism to incorporate into um, into one's practice. So I'm I'm glad that we, you are here today and and giving advice and your thoughts on it. So um, I'm sure our listeners will be really intrigued. So we usually wrap up our episodes with a parting question for our guests. And because you're here on The Morning Fix, we'd really love to know what each of you do for your morning fix. And so, Lauren, I'll hand it to you and tell us what what gets you going in the morning. (laughs) This is among friends, yes, because this is so embarrassing. Okay, so y'all, okay, so this is... mm, I don't drink coffee yet. I have a, I have a, I have a fixation on caffeine. So I'm obsessed with those little five hour energy drinks. Those little that you usually buy at a gas station next to a register. That's what we're talking about. So for me kicking off and getting going rather than a cup of coffee, it usually starts with a five hour energy. And then I tend to work out afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Adam, your turn. 
So, <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. I'm like di- diametrically opposite, which is I, like, <laughs> I have a slow rolling start. I'll probably kind of like kind of half awake at five o'clock and I will then, you know, put my he- in my uh, headphones and I'll listen to NPR probably for about an hour. And then I'll get up and I'll make myself a cup of coffee and have a cup of breakfast, have some breakfast and listen to more NPR. And then if I if I've got time, which is kind of sadly seldom these days, um, I'll go for a run, which is that'll get my heart going. <laughs> so I get my brain going with NPR slowly and then I get my heart going slowly with with um, with a run and then I'm ready to work probably by about 11 o'clock. Yeah, Adam, I'm I'm more aligned with your your methodology <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but I've had a couple of eight a.m. meetings uh, the last few days, and I'm like, oh, this is way too early. I'm yeah. getting, I'm getting I've got I'm doing doing with a lot of times. Yeah, I'm doing with uh, east Eastern time zones and people having eight a.m. Eastern time zone meetings, which means I'm having meetings at seven a.m. And then I've got some partners that i'm working with in uh in asia and uh so i'm doing some late night meetings as well so yeah it's so much for my morning fix (laughs) (laughs) well we so appreciate both of you coming on um to talk to us and you know i think you bring up some really great things for us to think about as healthcare marketers and you know we're always looking for ways that we can help educate our marketing friends about, you know, the trends and things that are happening and and the research that you've done really gave us a great starting point for that discussion. So thanks again. And we hope to catch up with you soon. Thank you.